It was Charles Manson who said that every night while you sleep, I destroy the world. <laughs> Fucking Charlie, man. <sighs> Welcome to the Neuro Spicy podcast here at local666269.com. Your boy Rocco. About 4.30 in the morning, winding down. Hopefully I can get through this without uh, blowing your ear holes out with big goopy yawns. I do apologize for that, but it's a work of success in progress, right? We just try different things. It was an interesting day today. Uh, the usual roller coaster of somewhat isolated emotions I mean emotions in isolation since that seems to be the the, the apropos for me currently um, I've been trying to kind of settle up with things with my former significant other and trying to finalize things so I can make plans whatever else but um, after 22 years, I mean, why would anything be different that, you know, Phil Collins, you know, I say black, you say white, you know, you say day, I say night. Like I said, I'm neurospicy. I'm like a, I'm like a special gear shift three on the tree, baby. And, uh, she's used to driving automatic. So no grinding the gears in this case. Um, yeah, well, essentially, one of the, the challenges that I've always had in this relationship in the past is a lot of the sort of relational uh, trauma that I grew up with that has affected me in my adult life. And anybody else that has experienced this does understand how that happens. We always said that, you know, people sort of gravitate to what they think they deserve internally inside. And so the challenge, of course, for us is, you know, all the negative talk and, you know, all the things that are associated with trauma uh, in childhood, especially on the neurodivergent brain. And so it, it becomes, you know, a series of, of loops and makes you loopy, right? And again, it's the old adage, if you don't deal with your trauma, you will bleed out on all of those around you. And so that's been kind of part of it in, in a sense. But if you explain this to someone in very clear terms quite often, and they somehow still overlook that, you can understand why it would be problematic It'd be like, you know, uh, being a recovering alcoholic and saying, hey, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I cannot drink alcohol. Hey, let's do shots. <laughs> like, fuck, man. Um, and so I, I went through a, a roller coaster of emotions today because of the situation. Um, the challenge for me in the relationship has always been sort of this disconnect in communication uh, the, the mystery of like where's my wife <laughs> you know and in the early days of course that was very difficult and challenging I mean 
you know, and she's sort of notorious for it, even within her own family. Um, for someone like me, you know, it's, it's you might as well just fuck kill me at that point, because all the worst case scenarios flood in and so forth when you have um, rejection sense dysphoria, along with relationship relationship trauma. PTSD, you know, the whole fucking laundry list, right? And so when you care about somebody very deeply and then they sort of disappear, you get freaked out, right? So uh, this was an ongoing theme in the last 20 years, even up to recently. And, and again, it's one of those things that, you know, if we begin to argue about it, it's like, well, it's in the past. Okay, well, what about my transgressions? Are they not also in the past? Apparently not. And I think probably a lot of people would understand that concept, I think, of in marriage and in and, and the wife never forgetting, right? That's sort of one of the old stereotypes or adages. I don't know how true that is because I've only had one wife or an ex-wife or soon-to-be ex-wife at this point. Um, I just have had a hard time. Over over the span of this relationship, again, because you know, <laughs> I got some fucking problems, but you know who doesn't, right? And so the thing is that when you're with somebody and you care about them and you love them and so on, and and you know you try to work through things, and I think we always made a good effort of trying to do that. But again, insanity is fucking doing the same thing over again and again and expecting different resu uh, results. So thusly, I've got a lot more fucking work to do on myself, for sure. So I'm going to go do that work. But today is a perfect example of being triggered <laughs> repeatedly um, by someone that, you know, <laughs> doesn't make me a priority. And then I understand that <laughs> we are separated, so how can that how can that be a possibility, right? And so this is the the challenge that I face remaining here. Again, <laughs> in this this house that we set up together with these things that, you know, we have filled up like all other Americans, just full of fucking stuff. And then, of course, the, the repeat, well, you know, it was given to us or we bought it used or whatever else, you know, well, that's not quite true. You know, I had to get a washer. I had some caveats. I had to get a washer and dryer, right? I had to have the place painted. You know, there was a, a lot of caveats. And I'm notorious for indulging my partner, which is a thing that happens for people that have relationship trauma. They're, they're always trying to please the partner. And so the boundaries that you set for yourself oftentimes are soft. And so you always vacillate going back and forth between like, you know, being sort of over generous and then being sort of medieval <laughs> because you've, you haven't felt like, you know, uh, it's been recuperated or reciprocated somehow.
And don't, don't get me wrong. And, and again, I, I've always said that I'm, I like Will Smith and like keep my wife's name out of your mouth. I share this with you because I really don't have anybody else to talk to at this moment. That's the truth. I took the isolation risk uh, assessment uh, earlier. And I'm fucking high risk. <laughs> and that's not good. It's not good when you have sort of a semi-volatile emotional thing you're dealing with in the present. Especially with um, sort of a half-ass toolkit from the past you know if anybody that's ever experienced inheriting a sort of a shitty toolbox with you know just random shit in it <laughs> it's like what the fuck right how is this helping um we'll relate to this kind of situation and uh yeah it's just it's just not a good thing and i think the longer that i remain in this part of the multiverse, the more unhinged I will become and the crazier I will become and and the more sort of dangerous, I would say, is back to what even be the best way to put it. Jordan Peterson is right. You know, it's, it's, it's violent men who are disciplined that are the most dangerous. And when you come out of relationship relationship I'm stuttering already uh, relational trauma when you're raised by a narcissist when when they put a gun in your hand at a very early age and teach you to be a child soldier it fucks with you and then when you end up doing some dirt that fucks with you and it sticks with you. And, you know, it's one of these situations that I've got to be very sort of uh, cognizant or, or cautious about or careful about. I, I don't want to, to sort of completely go off the rails. It's not good for anybody in any sense of the word. And, and it's funny because I'm, I'm sure that my reputation precedes me in some circles about, you know, how fucking far out there I can get with my temper and my rage and so forth. And I got to promise you, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> I, can, I can tell it's coming. The dark passenger is like fucking revving in the fucking side seat there. And it's not a good thing. It's just not a good thing. I've been able to to make it this far, and I want to make it farther in my life without doing any more damage to myself, primarily, of course, or any other living entity. But it's hard to avoid it in these days and times, unfortunately. I mean, I really try to kill with kindness when I go out because I know everybody's a dickhead and so on. And so I, I really try to be cognizant of that. On the other hand, you know, myself, I'm, I'm you know, kind of dying on the inside slowly um, in this situation. 
in this part of, again, the simulated multiverse, whatever it may be. But uh, I'd have to say that, that unless I put some distance between myself and this situation, um, at least until I can get my head right, no pun intended, um, is probably going to be a better thing for everybody. Now, it's, it's going to be, no matter what, it's going to suck. We've already agreed to that, <laughs> whether it's, it goes down sort of civilly or passively or whatever else, but it's better that it sort of sucks less um, in this case. The challenge, of course, is again, is this, is all this stuff that I'm surrounded by. And I know it's just stuff for the most part. You know, I've jettisoned all this stuff before when I went to Asia. The thing is, I don't know if I'm going to stay there. Um, I don't think I don't think it's going to be easy to stay overseas for long periods of time, uh, like it used to be, because of political situations, pandemics, blah blah blah. And so, unless you're willing to, to really like adapt and surrender and get you know citizenship or whatever else i think it's going to be a sort of a challenge so then you know does that put things on hold here for two three four months mm, could be do i really want to come back to this i mean what's going to be here for me right i mean i've managed to <laughs> kill a couple plants already I swear to Christ, that is water in them. But again, when <laughs> plant life versus Time Lord life is uh, sometimes very different, even though we're on a schedule to water on Sundays. I can't really recall the last Sunday I watered it. So whenever I'm down here and I look at them, I, I water them, you know. But perhaps I'm watering too much. And so one of the things that happened was that uh, significant former... You know, she's been clearing off the patio out front, taking plants with her out to Stalag 13 with Hogan's Heroes, you know. And I, it's no big deal, but it's definitely a sign. Like, it's the sign. Somebody can say, well, hey, we can work it out. Let's talk about it. But, you know, it's like, the, it's like that <laughs> video I made of the raccoon with one paw in the food dish and watching me at the door with his eyes very carefully and kind of like, hey, buddy, how you doing? And then taking the food and put it away. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, I am delusional if I think that this woman is coming back. That's the truth. Um, so that's not going to happen. And, and so sort of keeping me hanging on or in sort of a stasis is not fair to anybody in this situation. Yes, I have them, some things that I need to deal with here and, and obviously things I need to deal with myself, but um, this close proximity, this temptation, this, this, this like, you know, the back and forth. And I, I'm sure other, other divorce people have gone through this situation. I mean, luckily, we don't have uh, any children between us or, you know, large assets and things like that. I mean, we got a few things that we might get weird over, but I, I don't think it's that big of an issue. So we're very fortunate that way. And I'm glad at least that that 
is the case. As a child of divorce myself, I know what a fucking war zone mess it can be, especially between a couple of between a narcissist and uh, you know somebody else. So how do we how do we move forward, right? How do we keep going with our neurodivergent superhero skills, right? How do how do we apply to that? How do we get out of being in the boys and the watchmen and go back to to being like, you know <laughs> uh, Thanos DeVitos <laughs> is not a real thing. Are you sure? <laughs> I came out blasted. Um you know, it's like, what's the end game? This is my friend Thog and Ali would say, what's the end game? Well, fuck, I don't know. Does the game end? <laughs> oh, the game, you just lost the game. I'm so sorry. If you play the game, that was a really long run. I can't even tell you how long it is. I'd have to go check the last time that I got blown. Now, uh, obviously I digress here, but it's good because it makes me happy. It gives me a little boost there, right? You may be familiar with the concept. It's kind of a mind fuck mind uh, game called the game. And essentially, um, you're playing it until you remember that you're playing it. And you say, oh shit, I lost the game, or you lost the game, something like that. Um, you can look up online if you want to know the real good details. But for myself, you know, it's been an ongoing joke since this was introduced to us. Jesus. In my, in my group, uh, we were examiners in Guangzhou in China for the British Council. And, yeah, a guy from England, Joseph Bazaar, we used to call him because his name was similar to Bazaar. Joseph Bazaar introduced us to the concept of the game. That fucking devil. <laughs> And, and it's one of those kind of things that if if you get into it, you know, it can be fun, but sometimes it can be like one of those ah situations, right, you know. Uh, and, of course, I love it because it fits into all the other wackiness of, you know, Westworld and simulation reality and Matrix and multiverse and all those other fucking things because those are all games, right? And so again, you know, that's the thing. You lost the game. It's, maybe you've seen the memes on occasion and thought, what the fuck game are they talking about? Um, and so I, I should re keep that in mind next time somebody asks me, like, you're like, do I enjoy sports or do I enjoy games? I'm like, yeah, I enjoy the game. Oh, shit, you just lost the game. Um, and it's funny because you can go through super long streaks of not thinking about it. And then when it happens, I mean, it's like shit. Pop, 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 pop. It just, it just goes off. And if you've got a group of people that you're, you're sort of doing this, and you'll find out that it expands. Yeah, like on social media, whatever else, you might, you might run across somebody that would do it. You're like, ah, oh, fuck, and they got you. And so it's, it's definitely another mind virus <laughs> that's jumping around thanks to social media so that being said you have lost the game you must reset all right until it gets called again have fun with that and i'm gonna look back and i have to say yeah 
that's a couple of weeks for sure for me. Um, maybe even a couple of months. So dang it, I did it to myself again. Uh huh. I, I guess I'm just gonna start talking like Sling Blade now after the Corona did a thing to my voice box. Mm hmm. I like the potty beat. Mm hmm. Ain't got no gas. <laughs> Of all the things to be cursed with, right? <laughs> yes, you may survive COVID, but you have to speak like Sling Blade for the rest of your life. Okay. <laughs> well, at least mm, at least that water is cold. <laughs> oh my lord! All right. So obviously, I, I, like, see you can see I'm all over the place with my emotions. I, I was I was put off today by this reaction that I had and it just built up and, I, and I'm doing my lectures online and then of course also trying to track down this person because again it's like you know where's Waldo I mean this this girl always sort of like just and you know it's just it's just out of sight out of mind for her as well okay whatever and so, as I begin to sort of spiral out into my nonsense, you know, I'm sending messages and so forth, like like guys do, right? I mean, it's just one of those things. We, we don't know how to sort of mm, closely negotiate or navigate um, our feelings or whatever else in a way that's sort of effective and, and, and wanting sort of an immediate response. And text, texting is a fucking nightmare, man. Um, this person, she likes to use voice to text, so she's, that's a little bit easier for her. My problem is, is it doesn't fucking speak sling blade or half of my scatological fucking nonsense, and so it gets all fucking mangled up, and then I end up typing it out anyway. But this, this has been sort of again the situation is that we always have to do it through text or whatever else, and I think, fuck, man. <laughs> you know, like, is it that is it that bad to like face each other and try to communicate? But indirect communication is is something that I think a, a, a semi neurotypical brain is probably better at handling. Where a new neurodivergent brain or neurodivergent spicy brain uh, doesn't do so well with indirect. Uh, and doesn't pick up on those cues. You'd think that we would, as good as thin slicers we are and so on, that we'd be intuitive enough enough to do that with our partners. It doesn't really work that way. And I, I don't have a good reason uh, for that from myself to say that I don't understand that. But there's definitely things that I see that this person would not see. Um what it was related to, you know, maybe arguing about cleaning or some nonsense, whatever else. Um, and so it's just different perspectives, right? Obviously, we're in different worlds anyway because of the, of the, of the perspective or the perception. And I think this is the, the challenge for people that are involved with people with ADHD is that the perception is that, well, fuck, they're lazy or, you know, like they're callous um, you know, all these things that happen, not realizing that it's, it's kind of part of 
our situation, the time blindness or the hyperfixation, all these other things. And granted, um, it, it, none of it excuses sort of any of the behavior. And, and I'm not, I'm not coming, come, trying to come off that way either. Again, we have to be sentient or conscious about this process. And the more that we talk about it, that's the reason why I'm doing this is because somebody was talking about it a while back. Um, and got me to thinking about my situation uh, through life and so on. You know, thank God for the for the panini, right? The pandemic, and people got to be sort of much more introspective, and and definitely spent time doing podcasts, whatever else, and getting the word out about things that were affecting them. And that's good information. That was helpful. And I'm I'm hoping that that somewhere in the realm of things that that what I'm saying to you will be of of some use. Or at least some entertainment. <laughs> That's useful, right? Um, and again, if we can't recognize things that our partners are dealing with somewhat directly, then they'll always kind of loop around again and it'll always be another problem. It'll always be coming up because it's not addressed. Just like, like the personal inter, interpersonal or the relation, relational trauma if we don't deal with it, it's always going to be a problem, problematic in any relationship, whether it is friendship and so on. If we look at the, the behavior of primates, and you take somebody like, uh, oh, the guy, he's like half Dutch, whatever else, Wall, I think it is. You know, he spent like last fucking 50 years living with, like Jane Goodall, right? But he's been living with bonobos and, and chimpanzees. And he's had some some pretty good observational characteristics. You know, you know, chimps are so damn close to us um, biologically through DNA. I mean, I think it's you know the, the, the genetics is you know less than like 0. 0.4, 0. 0.6, something like that. I mean, it's really fucking close. And the next one down the line are bonobos, and they're very very different type of of primates. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not. I'm not really super versed in, in, in primate zoology when it comes to bonobos uh, or chimpanzees. I, although, as a child, I was obsessed with chimps because of Tarzan and uh, that sort of show they used to have where they would dress the chimps up and make them do things. And, of course, later orangutans because of Clint Eastwood, you know. So... Uh, if, if we're that close somewhat to the primate world, and, I, and I've been saying this for a while now, we're not that evolved. We are, we are fucking primates with smartphones, and that's what's making us dumb. <laughs> you know, um, if we think about behavior among primates in certain situations, um, we can see the relationship or the correlation to human society or human beings as well. We have a tendency to focus on the concept of, you know, it's a dog-eat-dog world. It's all about competition. And so even this concept here of this relationship that I'm, I'm trying to sort out, nerd get over, or whatever fuck I'm doing, um, again, I have, to, I have to sort of maybe pull back and think somewhat more objectively, like how much of this is, is um, pre-wired behavior within myself and, of course, within the person that I'm dealing with. Now, I can do that because we've already spent almost 20, 22 years together, and so there's a lot of experience and data uh, to correlate 
when we think about this, these sort of connections um, being hardwired. So according to Wall, um, he doesn't like the idea that, that it is a dog-eat-dog world. He, he thinks that um, primates actually, especially bonobos, are much more generous to each other and show empathy to each other and sort of all the positive qualities that we sort of look to to restore our faith in humanity. Um, and, and luckily, we have some of those qualities, I hope, <laughs> being somewhat empathetic and wanting to share and so on. I mean, you can't have a society without that concept. Uh, chimpanzees, on the other hand, uh, also very tribal, uh, somewhat xenophobic from outside their troops, and that's why they get very vicious with each other when they encounter other troops and so on. Um, but even within the troop dynamic, we can see some generosity um, in the sense that maybe the mother dies and the, the male is a male chimps dependent for about eight years, believe it or not. Um, and so even if it's three years old, it's still got a ways to go to find out, you know, how to be, how to be a gym. And, and the males sometimes will, will step in and then take care of that aspect of it, even though we know that if they make that chimp too strong, they will challenge him in the future for, you know, leadership of the troop. Bonobos, on the other hand, are like, hey, let's just have a party. <laughs> <laughs> and so when they see they're not xenophobic, they're actually xenophile, and they are interested in strangers and, and want to know what's going on, and, and somewhere within this is a lot of sex. <laughs> he brought that up quite often in his detailed account. Now, this guy's written several books about this, and then uh, the last thing he talked about was something like about the power of empathy. Again, extrapolating his experience with primates, in their societies and their behavior and things that they did like you know um put a chimp in a in a situation where if he pushes a button he can get you know some food for himself if he pushes the other button he can get some food uh for himself and his partner and they normally choose the latter they're okay with like you know doing that which seems weird right <laughs> you think like let's say hey, fuck you i'm doing this myself and so uh the power of empathy is, is, is important. Um, and definitely we have to be much more empathetic. I definitely have to be much more empathetic. I, I just know that I'm, I'm putting this person through the meat grinder. Um, metaphorically, okay? <laughs> Please, don't, don't get out of fucking hand with your ideas, all right? That's the other issue, even for, for this person, is that... Um, they always take it to these really far levels. I mean, I, I am out there. I know that, but I know how far out of the fucking limb I am. And then it's the imagination of other people around me. Sometimes, uh, when they f sort of give me the feedback of like what they think I'm doing or what's going on, I'm like, how in the fuck did you come to that conclusion? You know, it's just bizarre. Um, you know, last October I wanted to, I wanted to drive across the country and visit my family. And, you know, and the first thing out of my ex's mouth is like, well, are you going to kill me? <laughs> like, what the fuck? And because of that, you know, the girl and the guy that they fucking found, you know, they were looking for at that time. I remember they went on a trip and then she got murdered. I'm like, 
the fuck goes through your mind, woman? <laughs> what the hell? Um, I mean, that's a that's a kind of a funny example, and and then of course, kind of joking around, but you know that fucking shit sticks to your ribs a little bit, especially when things have been you know less than fucking copacetic for quite a while. Um, with yourself and of course with the, the situation the pandemic which of course I think this a lot of this gray divorce of people of my age that are going through this right now that has a lot to do with it you know getting their asses whooped and so on I've always you know been an asshole by saying you know if I just stayed on my island in Copenhagen in Thailand because we had a huge knockout drag out like well fuck you just go I'll stay here I know, that that sort of closing doors with Gwyneth Paltrow moment, right? Eh. So, I, you know, I don't even know why I play those games. Oh, fuck, there's the game. Um, <laughs> why I do even do that to myself? Um, again, because it's the, sort of the multiverse concept. You, when you can't just jump forward. Sometimes you have to sort of think about the jumps back. Um, and, and, like, where those key turns or forks are in the road right and again when you come to a fork in the road and if you're fucking lost turn the fuck around because it's the main highway it converges and not diverges or diverges which seems weird for neurodivergent people which i know most of you are probably gonna take the fork anyway you're gonna vacillate and then take one thing because that's where the adventure is anyhow right okay there you go so, <laughs> this concept of, of neurodivergent people, you know, really gravitating to being, um, you know, crisis um, responders, first responders, uh, not sort of panicking when shit happens. And, and people have said that about me for years when shit hits the fan. I'm mean, talking about real shit. I'm not talking about this when people talk about drama and because you know, somebody's picking on fucking Britney Spears or whatever else online. I'm not talking about, I hate that when people say, oh, the drama, the drama, the drama at work. I always fucking tell them, drama is a gunshot wound. And July 4th in this country, people had to experience that drama. And we need to fucking address that shit. ASAP. Which is another reason why I think I gotta get out of here. Uh, I'm really concerned about the fucking climate of violence that's coming down. And I think a lot of other people are as well. And and if you're not a kind of person that has has leapt, made the leap to off world, have left the country, maybe you don't even have a fucking passport. Your concept is, oh, okay, well, I guess I better bring a gun and fight it out. Yeehaw. That's kind of playing into the whole bullshit. I tell people, just, just get out, just to clear your fucking head. And realize that all this shit that we think is so fucking vitally intense and important that's going on, and we realize that it's not as bad as we think it is. So the power of empathy is, is important. I'm getting coiled up. I've said that already. I'm getting coiled up because uh, being somewhat 
isolated between COVID and getting over COVID and then staying isolated. And, and you know, my only sort of outlet for conversation is, is when I'm doing my lectures or whatever else. And a lot of times it's not really the right, um, the right platform, right stage, whatever else to discuss uh, these kind of issues. So then my secondary, of course, is, is to do this at this point. Um, in the old days, I'd be typing it. I'd be writing it down. I mean, I've got reams and reams of this kind of nonsense. But the neuropathy in my hand is so goddamn bad right now that it it's somewhat painful to do that. I just need a, maybe I need a bigger keyboard. I just have to make some modifications. That's always my thing is, okay, well, then you modify somehow um, so that you can do the things that you need to do um, or enhanced, right? <laughs> it's an enhancement. And so enhancements don't just have to be <laughs> uh, things you put, you know, in your body. Enhancements can also be biomechanical. And so right now, I'm, you know, to get around, I use a, is an upright walker, which I need to be doing more of. And that's part of the coil is the last couple of days is, is not having enough activity. Like they said, right? Discipline, affection, and exercise. Well, I've got barely like two out of three. In this case, more like one out of two being disciplined in the sense that I haven't fucking lost my shit. <laughs> in a fit of fucking flying rage. Um, even though I get accused of being ragey quite often, I just say, hey, I'm spicy, baby. That's all it is. It's just spicy. I got accused of that earlier today. And I was like, oh, you're being all ragey. And I'm like, hey, you fucking hurt my feelings. And I'm being spicy. That's just the way it is. It's, it's, you can't be neuro-spicy without being spicy. When you lick the jalapeno, you know, you're going to get a little kick. And now I'm going up on the Schofield scale. I'm going back up to, you know, like habanero or fucking ghost pepper. That's where I'm at. So let's be spicy together, right? So if you're sentient about your situation as an adult, you understand that you have some relation, relational trauma. It's affecting your, your, your marriage or your love life or whatever else then you have to find a way to deal with it. So uh, today, in the midst of having a fucking frip, I uh, luckily somebody had mentioned EMDR, and I'd kind of forgotten about it. And, and again, this is dealing with sort of rapid eye movement with a therapist, you know, following your fingers, and then sort of visiting the trauma, and then sort of activating sort of the biological part of the brain again it's, it's hardwiring left over from evolution um as a way of sort of dealing with kind of tricking the mind because of the physical biology of the eyes going back and forth like if you were looking around you're getting a different perspective and so forth what it essentially does is it can sort of shrink the trauma, the vision of the trauma. You know, trauma is timeless, right? I mean, it's it's it happened then, and and so you you your brain still perceives it as happening now. It's hard to believe, right? But that's how it works. And depending on the um, depending on how ingrained or how wired that trauma is in there, 
that pervasive feeling of now can be even heavier than than expected uh, for a variety of reasons. So now you've got your rapid eye movement going, and so now you're using sort of the biology of the human body or the biology of, of the human brain to sort of sort of switch its gears a little bit to get out of its uh, grip on this omnipresent, you know, trauma situation that you're dealing with. And, and you might have a whole fucking grocery list. <laughs> you might not have issues, baby. You might have subscriptions. Uh, and for a lot of people, that's what happens because when you come out of relation, relational trauma, especially if you have a, a narcissist uh, as a parent or whatever else, you know, you go through, you go through more bullshit after that. Basically, it's like trauma attracts more trauma. Even when you break off that relationship, or you get, or that person is gone, or whatever else, then you find yourself either getting um, tied up with somebody else that is similar in that case, because that's kind of what you know. And again, gravitating to what you think you deserve on the inside. Um, and so if you can change the way you think or perceive this trauma by somehow shrinking the vision of it, uh, it's still going to be there. It's still happen, right? It's still part of your chronology. But it doesn't have to define you. And even for myself, you know, as upset or as emotional as I get, um, you know, I try to let it out. <laughs> I try to respond to it, you know, somewhat immediately. Um, because if I if I if I hold on to it or repress it, man, it just it just it just affects me in another way that's just not healthy. And I'm okay with raising my voice. Um, I'm okay with you know throwing something across the room. And for a lot of people, that's like no way you can't do that. It's bad behavior. <laughs> And in most circumstances, I would agree. But think about Buddy Hackett. Old Buddy Hackett. You probably don't know Buddy Hackett, but I'll tell you about Buddy Hackett. Uh, he was doing his bit in Vegas one time, and he, uh, he had this bit about cussing. In those days, they used to call it working blue. And even for myself, when I did stand up, if I did an audition, like at a... a the county fair or someplace like that, the guy would say, oh, I just want to make sure you weren't blue. Although, you mean fucking depressed? But it's an old term like blue movies in America, meaning, you know, dirty or raunchy. Uh, oddly enough, in China, it's the color yellow that represents that, uh, which is even kind of funnier when you think about it. So Buddy Hackett basically was, was talking about cussing and, you know, laying it out like, What's the big deal? If you drop an anvil on your foot, you're not going to say, oh, it's springtime, right? You're going to fucking say a bunch of horrible stuff um, is going to come out of your mouth in that moment. And he said, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe you're really a goody-goody. And so you let it out with, you know, H-E, double hockey sticks, you know, fudge, monkey muffins, whatever else, right? You, you do the whole bit. Okay, fine. You're, you're awesome. 
But when your husband or your significant other takes you to the doctor and says, what happened? The first thing they're going to say is, they dropped a fucking anvil on their foot, right? <laughs> and so, again, you know, it's it's a matter of, of perspective in this case of, of, you know, how do we deal with that concept? Do we put the cart before the horse or the horse after the cart? Ayo, it's hard to say. So don't feel like you've got to you've got to hold on to that because you're afraid of what you know somebody will say or do around you. As long as you're not causing harm to yourself or harm to others, I'm okay with that. I mean, you don't want to be the guy that's going around punching holes in the walls and stuff like that. I mean, that that only gets you so far. Trust me, I know. (laughs) Um, But think of the alternative, right? If we think about the numbers of domestic abuse in the country, it's very disheartening, along with the, the current war on women that we are engaged in and soon to be the war on fucking everything else. The powers that be, (laughs) in their infinite wisdom, have decided to somehow scuttle democracy in favor of whatever the fuck they're trying to put together. Um, But it does not involve us. Um, As soon as they got Roe versus Wade, of course, the next thing they're going to challenge voting rights. Uh, they want to make sure they lock the game up before it gets too far out of hand, so good luck with that. <clears throat> and again, that's a perfect example of being pissed off and upset about something that you can't really do much about. Um, and so why let it fester? Express yourself. A lot of people did over the weekend, which was good. I, I, don't, I don't blame them. I'm glad that they did. Uh, I'm glad that a lot of people didn't celebrate Independence Day. It's kind of hard to be independent again when, you know, they have determined that our that our women are nothing more than fucking uh, incubators. It's pretty fucking sad, man. So, coming back to the concept again of, of how can we somehow maintain a healthy sense of ourselves despite having relational trauma that begets more trauma and sort of piles on and then you get into another situation and and you might get some clarity or some reprieve at certain times that's important because that, that's that moment that you can sort of regroup and you know begin the process again if that means seeking out therapy, then by all means. Um, to me, that's a pretty big step in the sense that you, you definitely want to work with somebody that is going to help you. It's very different than some people that, that also want you to make sure you keep going. <laughs> and keep paying, right? Um, The physical 
uh, physical trainers, you know, the, the model there is you definitely keep your client dependent on you. And so they never get any huge, huge gains or success or whatever. They're always sort of struggling. And it's, you know, I'm not saying that the whole industry is like that. And I don't say that all therapists are like that. But I've, I've, had, a, I've had a few encounters that I was less than impressed with their understanding of, of um, the nature of the situation. Again, it's my adage. If you can, if you can outlift me, and some people can, if you can outlift me on volume in an afternoon, then you can train me. And I'm going to a place where that's going to happen. Same thing. If you are going to try to help me solve my motherfucking problem, you better have some pretty good understanding of your shit. Beyond my ability of the understanding. Same thing in medicine. I'm not saying I'm a fucking I'm a medical doctor, I didn't go to school and all that stuff like that. I'm just saying that you have to be really up to speed on new therapies, medical journals, things like that. Otherwise, you're on autopilot. And I don't like that. <laughs> and so I'm very skeptical, obviously, of anybody. And, and you should be skeptical, too. Everything I say here should be taken with a great assault. You need your minerals. Don't be afraid of salt. <laughs> and... Uh, that's a decision that you ultimately will make for yourself. But I do want to encourage you, and I'm projecting because I want to encourage myself, to definitely think about some of my behavior as being hardwired and the other behavior as being sort of softwired or, you know, the difference between nature and nurture. The percentages are not very huge on one side of that equation. Especially if we think that 95% of our behavior is primate or primal for a lack of uh, better conflation. We just perceive, again, that we're extremely evolved. Yes, they found three more particles yesterday in Geneva and didn't crack open the black holes that I thought we would spaghetti monster into. I didn't think of that really, but it's just fun to like wind people up about those kind of things. Uh, in the sense that, that, again, it's an experiment of thought. I'm always probing, 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 just like McLuhan. Uh, that's part of my neuro-spicy approach to things. And so when you're dealing with somebody and you, and you get to the point where you're pretty good at assessments and thin slicing and using your, your superpowers for analytical thinking and so on, and, and it still doesn't calculate, it still doesn't add up, then you have to be very suspect because you want to trust your instincts. 
and quite oftentimes I've, I've denied that experience to myself and it has led to some pretty gnarly situations so in this case I'm going to trust my instinct my instinct is that I need uh, some distance between myself and this situation otherwise it won't be great it won't be good it won't be healthy it won't be something that will be able to recover from easily and all the other sort of little pieces to the equation here again I guess I'm going to have to fucking figure that out within a few days I'm okay with that being a neuro spicy superhero we do well in a crisis and so now I have plotted uh, a timeline for myself what that response will be or the causation who's to say but at least now I'm on a deadline <laughs> that I can sort of work with and light a fire under my ass and get things done that need to happen and some things will have to be jettisoned to the wayside and, and that should indicate sort of the priority or the value of that thing anyway and so it's a great way to realign your your value system. Anything worth doing is going to be risky. Alan Moore said that, and, and I have to believe it, because anything that I've done that had a huge element of risk, the reward usually was pretty fucking awesome. And yeah, sometimes you fucking end up a flaming ball of trash. But when that happens, when that fucking flaming shit storm is coming at you like a fiery fucking jumbo jet on a fucking airfield you lean into that motherfucker because you're not escaping <laughs> just like when the fucking asteroid's gonna hit this motherfucker one of these days and we ain't going anywhere you might as well lean into it and have a party have fun that's the truth of it don't look up <laughs> Stay spicy. Stay spicy, for sure. I saw some of the numbers. They're trying to say that we're only like 2.5% of adults. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. Trust me. Uh, that might be what they have on their records before the pandemic. I promise you, our numbers are a lot higher than what they used to be. I can just tell by my own analytics. And, and believe me, I'm not doing anything that's amazing here aside from just calling attention to my own issues with ADHD and being neurodivergent and trying to be supportive of anybody else that is having those difficulties or those struggles. And being neurospicy, we haven't even got into the different amories and the different gammaries and so on uh, because it's going to require a little bit more research. Uh, I'm going to find out a bit more firsthand, I guess, about uh, polyamorous uh, situations um, when I do my next set of interviews 
and so that's going to be sort of interesting. I'm on the fence. I got to be honest with you. Some days I think, yeah, great, hey, big love, and then other days I'm like, eh. and so maybe it's something I really need to try to understand before I'm ethical or unethical in any pending relationship in the future. So again, it's like the trauma, right? You gotta, you gotta get that shit worked out. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Every day is another day. Just get through the day. Every second is a second chance. So wherever you're at, and I gotta tell you, when I look at the at the globe, where people are listening to this, I'm I'm absolutely blown away. It just. Every time I look at, the, at that analytical map and I see a place that I have never heard of, you know, there's some people in South America that are listening to this. And I'm not talking about Rio. I'm talking about, like, some place, you know, that is, I mean, it's a city of some kind, but I've never heard of it, and I, I don't understand why. Somebody would be down there wanting to listen to the palava of a neurospicy uh, podcast, but fucking thank you so much. Um, a couple places in Europe. Now, obviously, I, I came swinging out of the gate uh, in Brussels and Antwerp, but you know, talking about the Dutch resistance, of course, put me a little bit more on the map in the Netherlands and other parts of Scandinavia. Again. If you go to my Facebook page, back from the radio days, you know, I know fucking people all over the place. And it's nice that, that, that people are willing to give that a chance again. And the feedback that I'm starting to get from uh, people that maybe I knew uh, 30, 40 years ago. That's awesome. That's awesome making those connections. Uh, you know, being social is really important to defeat this sort of isolation. But also IRL is even better. And this primate needs a troop. And so I'm joining the troop. <laughs> so stay spicy. Hit me up. I'm looking forward to it. Cheers.